You're listening to Code Red with Secure America Now, the largest national security grassroots army. We are pleased to have today Senator Ted Cruz speaking with us on our Code Red podcast. And Senator Cruz, a couple of hours ago, President Trump announced and then signed into law an end to U.S. participation in the Iran nuclear deal. You have been a staunch critic of this deal even before it was completed. Can you explain to us why you oppose the deal and what you think of the president's action? Well, sure. Alan, it's great to be with you. Thank you for hosting me. Uh, Today was a very, very important day for U.S. national security and for the security of our friends and allies. Uh, The Obama-Iran nuclear deal was a catastrophic failure. Uh, It it was a terrible deal, and and it was a deal that on its face resulted in several things. One, it resulted in billions of dollars flowing directly to Iran, the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism. As you know, the Obama administration flew $1.7 billion in unmarked cash in the dead of night into Iran and, and, and allowed tens of billions of dollars to flow into that nation. Those tens of billions of dollars have been used to fund terrorism across the globe. They have been used to expand Iran's reach throughout the Middle East, expand their military presence in Syria, expand their presence in North Africa. It's been used to fund, fund the Houthis and Hezbollah and Hamas. And and it has been used, we've seen more and more military aggression from Iran as a direct result of the Obama nuclear deal. On top of that, uh, as as Prime Minister Netanyahu revealed last week in in a tremendous presentation, uh, the the Israeli intelligence seized over 100,000 secret Iranian documents that, that demonstrated that Iran, for over 20 years, has been working and trying to develop nuclear weapons. And, and this deal was designed to be unenforceable, to be ineffective. The Obama administration knew that. And so I think President Trump was exactly right to pull out of the deal, to reimpose crushing sanctions on Iran, and I think going forward. Uh, we should do everything we can to urge our allies to follow suit and do the same thing. And, and the president and the administration should make clear that un, under no circumstances ever should the Ayatollah Khamenei, a, a radical religious zealot who pledges death to America, under no circumstances should the Ayatollah be allowed to acquire nuclear weapons. In his remarks and explaining why he had reached this decision, President Trump uh, talked about the difference between the Iranian people and the Ayatollahs, Mullahs, who are in control of the government. Can you explain what that difference is, and are there things that the United States can do to assist the Iranian people? That's a tremendously important point, which is the Iranian people historically uh, have been friendly to the United States, uh, have been uh, for much of their history a secular nation until the Islamist revolution, the Ayatollah, uh, originally took over and, and imposed 
a, a despotic theocratic regime. The Iranian people are suffering under this. They're imprisoned under this. They're tortured under this. The mullahs uh, have done enormous damage to the people of Iran, and 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 they've done enormous damage both both to American national security interests and those of our allies. Uh, I, I think the president is exactly right that we should be speaking out for the people uh, against uh, the Ayatollah and the mullahs. And, and, and you know, you look in, in recent months at, at, at the, the thousands upon thousands of Iranians who brave, bravely taken to the street protesting for freedom, protesting against that They don't want to be under Sharia law enforced upon penalty of death. They, they, they want to be able to live their lives free without these religious zealots uh, destroying their, 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 their country. Um, and that took enormous courage. You know, we saw similar protests during the Obama regime, the Obama administration, and, and sadly, President Obama and, and the administration didn't speak out for the Iranian people and, and, and in, instead was too interested in cutting a deal with the mullahs uh, to, to want to give any support to, to the desire of the people to live free. I, I, I got to say this, Alan, I, I can think of nothing, absolutely nothing, that would have a greater positive impact on U.S. national security than to see this regime fall. When the Ayatollah Khamenei chants death to America and when he chants death to Israel, I believe him. I don't think that is empty rhetoric. I think he means every word of it. And, and you know, a, a very simple principle in life, when somebody tells you he wants to kill you, believe him. And, and, and that, what we saw today, it is, is President Trump rejecting the politics of weakness and appeasement that characterized eight years of Obama foreign policy and instead understanding the right way to deal with bullies and tyrants is strength, is standing up. Appeasement, as you know, history teaches us appeasement is provocative. History teaches us appeasement encourages tyrants to be more aggressive, to be more militaristic. And, and I very much believe in peace through strength. The best way to ensure peace is to stand up against these tyrants, and I think that's what President Trump did today. You know, I've been amazed that since President Trump has been signaling that he might uh, pull out of the Iran nuclear deal, whether it's the French or the Germans or the New York Times, they started to admit that the deal was not as good as it should have been, but that we should stay in it. Yep. Why is it in the benefit of the United States to pull out of that deal, doesn't it somehow stop us from influencing the Ayatollahs, or are they not influenceable, if that's a word? Mm -hmm. Well, I'd say a couple of things. Number one, it was profoundly harmful to America to give billions of dollars to the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism. Uh, a really great principle of foreign policy is don't give money to people who hate you. Don't give money to people who want to kill you. That's one of the things the Obama administration didn't understand, but we don't want the Ayatollah Khamenei with billions of dollars to use to try to murder Americans. But, but secondly, this deal, had it remained in force, would have led inevitably 
to Iran getting nuclear weapons. And, and, and on its face, this deal was never designed to be effective. Let, let me point to three factors in the deal that, that make obvious the only conclusion is Iran getting nuclear weapons at the end of the day. Number one, the deal provides that for any inspections to determine if they're cheating in developing nuclear weapons, that Iran gets 24 days advance notice before the inspection. Now, on its face, that's absurd. I, I've drawn an analogy. Uh, imagine if our drug laws provided that before you can uh, exercise any search warrant on a drug dealer, you've got to give them 24 days advance notice of the location to be searched. Uh, well, that would ensure that every search came up clean. Uh, that's, that's a provision designed to encourage and allow cheating. But secondly, and even more strikingly, under the deal, a number of sites, in particular the military sites, are permanently exempt from inspection. So you don't even get 24 days notice. You get that there's no inspection whatsoever. Well, wonder of wonders, when you make military sites exempt from inspections, where do you think they're going to put their nuclear testing and their nuclear programs? Naturally, on the military sites. And that's one of the things that, 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 that the Israeli intelligence seized from the Iranians demonstrated. Is that's, in fact, been their pattern of using the military sites for testing. But number three, the deal on its face, had a sunset. We're seven years away from the deal expiring. So by the deal's own terms, in seven years, the world is perfectly fine with the Ayatollah having nuclear weapons. Now, now that is, uh, that's completely unacceptable. And, and Alan, the, the important thing to understand on this, you know, I get asked sometimes, so were, were Obama, were Kerry, were they just terrible negotiators? And I actually don't think that was the problem. That, that's not why the deal does this. Anyone w w w with an operating brain looking at this deal knows the only outcome from it is Iran getting nuclear weapons. I think the reason they adopted this deal is that President Obama and John Kerry are perfectly fine with Iran having nuclear weapons. You go back to the very first year Obama was president, where he got on a plane, he flew to Egypt, and he gave a speech at the University of Cairo where he said, Iran has a right, and he used that word right, to nuclear technology. What absolute nonsense. You know, I've read the Declaration of Independence. I'm familiar with our unalienable rights to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I don't recall reading anywhere a right to the possession of thermonuclear weapons. And when you are a religious zealot pledging to carry out mass murder, then under no circumstances should the United States allow that. This deal by its design, would have resulted in Iran acquiring nuclear weapons, and that poses... the. If Iran were to acquire nuclear weapons, in my view, the odds are unacceptably high that they would in turn detonate a weapon in the skies of Tel Aviv or New York or Los Angeles. We should not be willing to roll the dice and take that risk, and that's exactly... Uh, what the Obama deal did, and that's why President Trump's decision was right to pull out of it and reimpose sanctions, use all of our economic and diplomatic, and if need be, military force to make sure the Ayatollah never, ever, ever gets a nuclear weapon. In his comments today, the president also made note about the preparation for a summit with North Korea. What are yes. your thoughts on that initiative? 
Well, I, I will say we've seen a significant improvement in terms of where North Korea stands. Now, North Korea today is the most dangerous place on the face of the planet. Um, if Iran ever gets a nuclear weapon, it will immediately become the most dangerous place on the face of the planet, but right now North Korea is. Um, as we said a minute ago, the right way to deal with bullies and tyrants is with strength. Weakness is provocative and it increases the danger. They get more aggressive. They take advantage of weakness and appeasement. There's a reason why you don't see statues to Neville Chamberlain erected in capitals across the world. Appeasement is a disastrously failed policy, and that is the hallmark of the Obama foreign policy. President Trump with North Korea and Iran has taken a very different approach, which is standing up with strength. North Korea, Kim Jong-un, is, is on the retreat. Now, I don't know what's going to come of a summit of sitting down and talking with, with Kim Jong-un. I will confess deep, deep, deep skepticism. What Kim Jong-un has demonstrated, like his father, is that he will lie, and he will lie over and over and over again. And his, most, his preferred lie, the one that he and his dad have used repeatedly is a lie that we will either stop developing nuclear weapons, we will cancel our program, we'll give up our weapons in exchange for billions of dollars. And, and, and it's a little bit like the old Popeye cartoon, I'll gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. They keep on using that, 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 that same con game. So what I have advised the president is to be deeply skeptical of empty promises. But the only thing that's even brought him to the table is, is American strength. And what I've advocated with North Korea is that we follow a comprehensive approach of number one, imposing crushing sanctions to starve them of cash, starve them of oxygen. Number two, that we lay out on the international scene, we delegitimize the regime, we isolate the regime. I think we've done an excellent job of that. I think the Trump administration has worked well with countries like China to cut off much of North Korea's support. Uh, number three, we need to invest far more in missile defense. The administration's done a good job with THAAD missile interceptors in South Korea, uh, but I've been leading the efforts on the Senate Armed Services Committee to expand our investment in air-based and space-based missile intercepts to have the ability to have boost phase intercept because when you've got Kim Jong-un, a crazy, unstable dictator with a significant arsenal of nuclear weapons and ICBMs that could hit anywhere in the continental United States, we need the technology to be able to take down one of those missiles before they murder millions of Americans. And so we need far more investment on that side. So with respect to the negotiations, I'm glad Kim Jong-un is backpedaling, but I think we should approach everything with a deep, deep level of skepticism, and we should prepare and protect ourselves regardless. Well, clearly, President Trump has taken your advice because in his comments on North Korea, he does say, he did say, might be successful, might not. Um, and I think that's a much better mindset than Obama saying, we're going to do a deal yes. with Iran under any circumstances. Uh, uh, you know, Al, Alan, I think you're, you're, you're exactly right on that, and, and I will say the last year and a half, uh, there was a robust debate within the Trump administration about what to do on the Iran deal, and there were a number of officials within the Trump administration that, that, that were advocating for keeping the deal. Uh, there were others uh, who were advocating for pulling out of the deal. I was very, very vocal and vigorous, making the case directly to the president, we should pull out of this deal. 
Um, that went back and forth and back and forth. Several months ago, the president took an intermediate step of decertifying the deal. That's something I had energetically encouraged. It was done over the objections of some of the defenders of the deal within the administration. And the decision today was the next, and I think inevitable, next step. Um, you, know, you know, I'll note, Alan, it, it, I was sitting with the president in the Oval Office uh, 30 minutes before he gave the speech today, and I, I was with, with John Bolton and the president talking through what he was going to say in the speech uh, and the importance for U.S. national security of withdrawing from this deal and using all of the tools we have to put maximum pressure on Iran. The president made the right decision, and, and, and I applaud him for doing so. It, it, it pulls us out of a deal that exposed our national security, our safety to enormous risks. I would like to close, again, because of your tight schedule, I would like to close with your comments on next week's opening of the American Embassy in Jerusalem. Next week's opening of the American Embassy is an historic milestone. Uh, it will be on the 70th, 70th anniversary uh, of the creation of the State of Israel, it, uh, the recreation and, and the restoration, uh, and, and it is a long, long time coming. America has our embassy in the capital of every other nation on earth except for Israel, and, and, and it was never right uh, that we didn't have our embassy uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, and a number of presidents, both Democrats and Republicans, have made promises to move the embassy to Jerusalem, and they've all failed to do so. And I very much commend President Trump for following through and making this happen. Just like with the Iran deal, there was a vigorous debate within the administration. And in fact, the battle lines were identical. Uh, the same officials who were fighting to defend the Iran deal were arguing that moving the embassy was a mistake, that it was provocative, that, 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 uh, that others in the Middle East wouldn't like it. And I can tell you I was every bit as energetically engaged on the other side making the case to the president and the administration that moving the embassy was the right thing to do and that it would demonstrate to both our friends and our enemies American strength and resolve the president made the right decision on that, and, and, and uh, I will be flying to Israel this weekend uh, to be there when the embassy is opened, and, and, and I simply, uh, this was not going to happen without my being there. there. There are several other senators who are coming with me as well, and we're all going to be there to celebrate. Uh, obviously, opening the embassy came hand in hand with America recognizing Jerusalem as Israel's capital. Uh, and it's one, an eternal and indivisible capital. And that is, I think, powerfully important for America standing with Israel. But it's also a tremendously encouraging sign for our allies and a discouraging sign for our enemies. And, and one of the points I made to the administration as, as this was being debated is, is some of the folks that were arguing don't move the embassy, they said, gosh, we want to negotiate a Middle East peace treaty, and, and moving the embassy makes that harder. And, and I'll tell you, Alan, I argued on the other side. I said, look, I'm skeptical that a peace treaty is in the offing anytime soon, but suppose I'm wrong. Suppose there is some grand peace treaty that can be achieved. In my view, moving the embassy makes peace much, much more likely. And here's the reason why. I said, listen, if we move the embassy, 
uh, our Arab allies in the region will, will, will scream and yell. They have to. And so the, the Saudis, the Jordanians, the Egyptians, th they will decry this as a terrible step and because for domestic political reasons they have to say that. But what I told the Trump administration is that I believed privately they would be deeply relieved. And the reason they would be deeply relieved is they would say to themselves, you know what? If the American administration has the strength and courage of resolve to move the embassy to Jerusalem, then maybe they also have the strength and courage and resolve to stand up to Iran and to stop Iran from getting nuclear weapons. And so I think among our Arab allies, they are so grateful that, that an American administration will stand up. They recognize the, the, the existential threat a nuclear Iran poses both to the Middle East and to the world. And, 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 and I think moving the embassy is, is a powerful sign to our friends and to our enemies that America means what it says. And, and, and that's, as Ronald Reagan famously talked about, peace through strength. You want to achieve peace, you don't do it through giving in to tyrants. You do it through standing up uh, and, 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 and defending your nation and your friends and your allies. We're doing that, and the moving of the embassy is, is an historic milestone, both for uh, our friends in Israel and for the United States. Well, as president of Secure America now, I want to say there is no senator who is consistently promulgating policies and with your relationship with the President of the United States at this time, your ability to influence very important issues that directly bear on the security of this nation. And I want to thank you. I want to thank you as an American citizen, as an American taxpayer, and I also want to thank you for participating in this podcast, and I hope that you'll come and talk to us soon again. Good luck I, I look in all forward that to you it. Do, Ted. Thank, thank, thank you. Thank you it's for your strong leadership, and God bless. Thank you for listening to Code Red with Secure America Now. We are the largest national security digital platform in the nation, dedicated to bringing critical security issues to the forefront of the American debate. For more information, visit our website at www.secureamericanow.org.